0: from the trenches, stories forged in the fires of experience. For more resources, make sure to visit escogroup.org. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us. We're hanging out with the Eugene Silberstein. Eugene, hello.
1: Thanks, Cliff. Good to be with you.
0: So one of the things we want to talk about in Tales from the Trenches is maybe it's not always your fault. Maybe we need to step back and re-examine an entire situation to be able to look for faults that may be other than our own. So Eugene, you've got some fantastic stories to share in this
1: topic. Well, having been in the industry for 43 years, if we don't have at least a few tales from the <laughs> trenches, I think we're definitely remiss in in, in what we're doing. Exactly. But, but yeah, you know, when, when we're talking about things that might not be your fault, uh, a, a few situations and scenarios just, just pop into my head as, as vivid memories of, of this industry. I mean, like I said, having been in the industry for over 40 years, you can imagine how many service calls we've been on, how many projects, how many installations. And to have a few, like literally three, pop into your head as oh, these are, <laughs> these these, these get are the, the top three. Oh. And there, there, there was one scenario, and it, was, it drove us crazy for literally years and years and years. Hmm. And we had a, a rooftop package unit and it was a 10-ton rooftop and it had two five-ton circuits yep. right? two five-ton compressors completely different circuits and the system was installed and it had two stages obviously stage one you know would run one circuit and stage two the second circuit would come in and we could never get the system to operate on single stage and this was this was many many years ago i was still younger in my career and right. what would happen was when the thermostat was calling for first stage cooling the first stage compressor would turn on and the system would pump down and turn off on low pressure so and it would, be- yeah and it wouldn't start so now we're like well you know what's going on with this why are we cutting off on low pressure but when the space temperature rose and second stage cooling kicked in, then both stages ran and cooled perfectly.
0: Oh, really? So not a yeah. restriction.
1: So if it was cooling perfectly, then would definitely no, no restriction in the line. So check out why we're cutting off on low pressure. Well, it works on second stage cooling, but not first stage has to be an electrical problem right so, the down so tech 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 tech. or something so the senior tech on the job uh, went through all the wiring and re-ran all thermostat wiring we replaced the thermostat we, we grasping against straws doing a lot of things and, we, and this literally went on for for quite some time and the the unit never ran on single stage and again mm-hmm. when you think about a system not running on single stage and going off on a low pressure control you again people are automatically thinking down one one specific yeah path very myopic yeah, yeah, view and what did we do wrong this was this was the word on the street like what did we at the company do wrong did we wire something wrong did right. we put in a thermostat that wasn't compatible we didn't do any evacuation, piping, charging, you know, it was a package. Cause it ran fine once it was up on second. Yeah. yeah. And then everything was perfect once we got to second stage and it was kind of the assumption that, well, you know what, maybe this is how this system is going to operate because we've done everything we could do and right. no one can find it until, yeah, until. Until the stage one compressor failed, so the stage one compressor failed and had to be replaced. So our team goes out to recover refrigerant from the first stage loop. Yep, circuit one. And yeah, and each of those each of those circuits held six or seven pounds of so, hmm. exactly sure. refrigerant. So let's say seven pounds. For yeah, argument. sounds right. And the technician is recovering refrigerant from the, from the, from that circuit and pulls 14 pounds of refrigerant out of it. wait a minute. Each circuit is supposed to hold about seven pounds. And yet we successfully pulled 14 pounds of refrigerant out of that circuit. And then the light bulb went on. we actually had members of the team go out and trace out the refrigerant. Refrigerant plumbing. Pipes. Yeah, yeah trace poppy. out the refrigerant circuit on the system. And there were two pipes that were crisscrossed at the factory. Wait a minute. <laughs> so the reason the unit was pumping down on first stage was because the second stage compressor wasn't running, but that second stage compressor was in the circuit. So so picture refrigerant making a figure eight through two complete loops so instead of going through one compressor one condenser one metering device one evaporator back to that compressor we were actually going from compressor one to condenser one to metering device two to evaporator two and the refrigerant (laughs) was actually making a figure eight and and like I said, this was going on for years. People on the team were going in and, and running new thermostat wire, going through the, uh, the factory wiring, Yep. but nobody thought, because it was a control issue. Everybody thought it was a control issue because when we hit stage two, everything worked fine. So it, it was a really, really interesting learning experience kind of an eye yeah. opener for yeah, where no. does
0: the refrigerant flow? Yeah.
1: And like like you said, it's not always your fault. But I think sometimes we just need to take a step back and and you know realize that things that happen are not always I wouldn't say our fault, but you know what? Had we started checking line temps, we would have realized that right. hindsight is always twenty twenty Clifton. Because you know, say, oh, if we would have done this, we would have seen that right away. Yeah. But it, it took the compressor failure. And the refrigerant recovery to actually open our eyes and say, "Wow, well, you know what? There's definitely something going on with that." Hey, you know what? Being that we're, we're talking about um, piping issues at the factory, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was involved with a project. I wasn't the installer, I wasn't the service person, but I was a, um, a a willing observer. I was actually going to be the occupant of the space that this uh-huh. system was was uh, to service, right? And, and it was an air cooled chiller, and, and I was a faculty member at this institution, so I'm not facility, so I can't touch sure. anything. Yeah, so exactly. you, you know, union issues. Yeah. And so I I'm, I was there to teach. I wasn't there to mess with equipment. And we had an air cooled um, chiller installed for the for the building, and brand new building, brand new chiller got installed and this was back in 2009 and the the chiller was being installed with our 407 c so they did a whole replacement retrofit
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and the it it actually went in 407 c um brand new oh really yeah uh yeah so we made that decision with 407 c from the start but did an analysis and um and determined we're going to go 407 c So anyway so the the chiller gets installed and starting it up and and the startup technician could not get the chiller to function correctly and right away his company was like oh well did you charge the system correctly yeah well we don't think so we need you to recover all the refrigerant from the system wait and Mm -hmm. charge it again and and now we're going to send over other technicians to make certain that it's charged correctly mm-hmm. and they could not get the system to function they actually had a chemical analysis done of the refrigerant because the company was saying that the technician caused the 407c to fractionate and something was <laughs> happening with the refrigerant and they did this three times they had and that analyzed the refrigerant the refrigerant was fine and they recovered, they evacuated, they recharged, they recovered, evacuated, recharged, and could not get the system to function. Now, here so I could am. could
0: get it to capacity, could get it to run, yeah. or? Yeah, it,
1: it would not cool. What happened yeah. is the operating pressures were so high, the, the head pressure was running excessively high, and the subcooling in the condenser was excessively low, mm-hmm. and the low side pressures were high as a result and superheat in the evaporators was fine and it just did not sit right in my brain because high head pressure is an indication of a system overcharge right and low subcooling is an indication of a system undercharge right and when you get that disconnect just like if you get low saturate low, low suction pressure well that's an indication of an Undercharge and low evaporator superheat—that's an indication of an overcharge. That's an indication that there's an airflow Air problem flow, Same right. thing on the high side. Yeah. So we had high head pressure, indicating an overcharge, and low subcooling, indicating an undercharge, which in my brain mm. points toward an airflow problem, not necessarily a refrigerant problem.
0: Okay. Sure.
1: So I wasn't really supposed to, but I had my students
0: <laughs> analyze visually.
1: Visually check yeah. through the condenser coil to see if there to was a block. Check the motors, check the rotation of the motors, check the blades, check the pitch. Everything was correct. We measured airflow. We have airflow through the condenser coil. And so high head pressure, low subcooling, pointing to an airflow problem, but we have airflow. So what is the other... Possibility. Well, the, the other possibility is that the condenser coil is not sized properly. Sure. So, well, the condenser coils, the condenser coils installed on this air cooled chiller.
0: Right. Should be matched with the airflow. So,
1: yeah. So, I actually had my students, again, we weren't supposed to do this, but we did, trace out the refrigerant flow path through the condenser coils. Mm hmm and they marked both ends of the coils and it was a w configured coil and what the students found was that 3 out of every 4 of the tubes in the condenser went nowhere they circled back onto themselves reloop yeah it made a, a loop that didn't <laughs> go anywhere so 3 out of 4 <laughs> oops of tubes, yeah so the condenser was basically 75% smaller yeah absolutely then what the capacity of this what the system was sized for right so and now the challenge was how do i tell people what the problem is without telling them because i wasn't right. to do
0: <laughs> i wasn't oh. here but there's a problem here yeah so
1: it <laughs> was really really neat and ultimately the the condenser coils were were changed out and right. the system worked fine so th- those two we really popped into yeah, you know, in, into my mind yeah. about you know the mispiping, but what's really really funny, Clifton, is being that we're talking about things that might not necessarily be be our fault. Yeah, um I was I was on a job. We we were installing a commercial system at a at a drugstore in Manhattan, and the equipment was on a, a roof setback, and we were doing the install, and we were actually piping down a chase so we're actually in harnesses and we're being lowered into the into the you know into the to chase the and yeah. we're doing the refrigerant piping yep. and you know where it's a you know it was a remote uh condensing unit so we're running the suction line and the liquid line and it got to the point we finished piping we leak checked and everything was fine and we went mm-hmm. to evacuate the system sure and it was, we were nearing the end of the day, and the refrigerant line runs were pretty, um, pretty, pretty lengthy. And at the end of the day, we put the system on a vacuum pump and we left. Okay. You this is back in, sure. Yeah. This is back in 1989, 1990. So yep. going way back. And we let the vacuum pump run overnight. We got in in the morning to check our vacuum, and we were confident because we pressurized it. Sure. We held, a, we held a, Hold uh, pressure? a pressure test. Yeah. And and our gauges were reading about 10 inches of mercury.
0: Hmm, okay. We didn't
1: use micron gauges back in 1980. <laughs> right. Time. And so we're like, wow, hold it. We're not holding a vacuum. So we, we were able to pressurize the system and we held. And we call the office and we tell our um, service manager, listen, the system's not pulling down into a vacuum. We only have 10 inches. Right. Well, you have to have a leak. You got to look somewhere. Leak. Yeah. Yeah. So we checked everything we could find. And he's like, listen, the, the store is opening. They're still getting the store ready to open it. Right. we the are on our schedule. Setting the shelves, they're stocking the shelves. People are there to um, you know, all day getting getting the store ready. And we spent the full day checking all the the um the solder connections, the solder mm-hmm. joints. At the point, and couldn't find anything. We're tightening up the flare connections, we're just tightening, you know searching for anything. And, yeah. And at the end of the day, we said, "All right, well, we'll see what we got." And once again we turned the vacuum pump on, we left for the night, came back in the next morning and we we're at 10 inches of mercury. Really? And Clifton, this literally went on for almost a week. <laughs> we, were, we were looking for this leak.
0: <laughs> Where's this leak? It's, it's got to be here. here.
1: Yeah, we we actually had to go back down into the chase and cut the suction line insulation off the lines and we're yeah. literally leak checking every joint we're going down in harnesses we're being lowered yeah. down it was it was a major amount of work taking and it was getting really really frustrating we could not pull this we were holding a a system uh, press pressure press pressure yeah and we just could not get the system to pull into a vacuum so we got i mean we changed vacuum pumps we got brand new vacuum pumps changed the oil i mean we we did whatever we could do and we're in the mechanical equipment room and we're beating our heads against the wall almost literally yeah because we were told you cannot leave this job until you find this leak and it was about eight o'clock at night we were still working and we were in the mechanical equipment room and then somebody from the drugstore walks in, and they said, oh, you guys are still here? I'm like, yeah, we're here. You know, we're, we're still working. Yeah. We will take care of something. And they said, oh, well, we're shutting down. And they go to the circuit breaker panel, and they start shutting all of the circuit breakers <laughs> off. And all of a sudden they hit a breaker. The vacuum pump. And was... my vacuum pump turns off.
0: <laughs>
1: so what happened was they were leaving at night. Yeah. Turning everything off. And then they were coming back at 6:30, 7 o'clock in the morning. Before you get there. On, uh-huh. And we got there at eight o'clock in the morning our vacuum pump is still running still on air still <laughs> right running. it's been on
0: all night it was running when I left and, and it's now, running when I, I get it,
1: here and and we we looked at each other and we just threw our hands up in the air and so it's so borrow the story is now if you are if you intend to leave a vacuum pump on overnight, at least mark a circuit breaker. Like do not, <laughs> do not turn me off. Yeah. It was actually really, really crazy. But you it's know, awesome. it's so funny. Like I said, 43 years in this industry, yeah. And those three instances when you said, Oh, we want we want to record some some tales from the trenches. Yeah. And immediately these three just popped into my head. And it's like had Love we it. done things just a little bit differently, had we looked yeah. at things just a little bit different, different just, perspective. Just back. Yep. yep. You know, we don't always have control over things, but this these kind of things only happen at one time. You know, one once something like that happens with a vacuum pump. I mean, we we were blaming the vacuum pump. We will blame in the vacuum pump oil. We will it was it was actually really crazy. And then it was just that light bulb when that gentleman came in and started turning the breakers off. That's actually pretty interesting. That is.
0: I love that. That's a perfect example of why we do Tales from the Trenches. After the first couple of these, I started thinking, I should have actually named this Do As I Say, Not As I Did. (laughs) (laughs) Eugene Silberstein, we are so grateful for your giving back to the industry and everything that you represent and do for us. So thank you so much, Eugene. My pleasure.